Hey, what's happening, guys? Well, I'm finally sitting down recording this solo episode. Um, there's so many fun things to do out west here. I've just been um, running busy here, recording podcasts with guests and and uh, getting the podcasts out each and every week, uh, trying to get a little construction done, and then, um, yeah, some fishing, trail running, um, scouting, which is what today's episode is all about. So um, I've been wanting to record this one. Uh, I, I've got a, a ton of information I want to get out. So this is all about once you draw a tag, you know, planning for that hunt and um, really breaking down what I do to find consistent success. Like once I draw a tag and I have a unit, like what my plan is, how I learn the unit, what's my hunt plan, and, and then also you know, get into some life stuff uh, uh, about you know planning for your days off, how many days you have. Um, uh, balancing family, which is a, you know, which is a major balancing act. If I, if I was, um, you know, I get to go hunting a lot. I'm pretty fortunate. I got a good scenario, but, um, yeah, it, it's just tough trying to balance it out and be a good husband and good father and also, um, be able to go for it in the mountains and, and, uh, go chase your dreams. So, um, try to talk about that a little bit. So it should be a really good episode. Um, we'll get this thing rolling real quick. I just want to thank, um, all our sponsors for Eastman's Elevated. Um, we just have the, the 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 best qualities that stand behind me and stand behind this podcast, and um, you know all the the sponsors. I use their gear throughout the season, and um, I just really think we have the best sponsors out there. I really appreciate the support from you guys too. It really brings weight to the podcast, and when you guys are shopping for new boots to go on and check out the Zamberlins or new packs, check out the Eberly stock and, and and at least give it consideration for your next purchase and look into it. Um, I really appreciate it. It uh, brings a lot of weight to the podcast and and does well for for us and for for me and and uh for these companies so uh sponsor for today's show uh taito knives taito makes uh ultra sharp lightweight knives they make a replaceable razor blade for them um god they are they are just uh they've changed the way i do infield butchering i used to carry multiple knives and sharpeners and those elk heights would just wear through them with a replaceable blade blade knife you just change out the blade you bring a, a a handful of extra blades with you usually i can do elk in one or two blades i can do a deer in a blade but i can do everything i i skin it i quarter it i bone the meat off the bones get it all in my pack i take the head off with my razor knife like i can find the the joint there in the back of the head and, and pull it off for a European mount. I can just do everything uh, with this one lightweight knife. Uh, so it's just changed the way I do infield butchering. Also check out they've got some longer longer fillet knives they have on there that they um, sell and those things are awesome for butchering. So when I get back to the house to use those those razor sharp butchering knives. Um, has just been great or any filleting you need, make sure to check them out. Um, and, and if you aren't into the replaceable blade knives, um, I absolutely love them. It's not for some guys because you really can't force sideways. They also have a lightweight, uh, solid made knife, uh, with a sharp blade on it. So, you know, sometimes guys like to carry both if they like to pry on that knife or use it any different ways. Anyways, Taito's got you covered. Make sure to check them out. Great company with great products. Uh, I also want to thank Everly Stock Packs. So I've been using Everly Stock for the last couple of years. I'm really happy with them. So they just have a pack for every different need, and and um, they really pack the weight well. Uh, they're they're built uh, really hardy to hold up to all the abuse us backcountry hunters can put on them. Um, so for a day hunt, um, I've been using this kite pack. I can actually use it for a day hunt or an overnight. Um, it carries 
you know, like I'm just guessing right here. I shouldn't even say cubic inches, but enough cubic inches to to be able to do an overnight or a day hunt. And then it'll also handle the weight of of a heavy elk quarter. Like this year, I packed out my entire bear on on my uh, kite pack. So that's the hide, all the meat out in one trip. Uh, it's just an incredible pack. Comes in under four pounds. Um, I think by the time I, I cut some some extra strapping and things off. So under four pounds, just a great pack. Um, and then for three to five days, I'm using the little big top. It's a minimalist design pack. Doesn't have much extras, just one big bag. Um, I think I've got it under about five pounds, cutting extra strapping and some extra webbing and things off. Um, but yeah, it's just a great pack. I use it for three to five days. And then I'm using the, um, they have a, a destroyer and a battleship. They have multiple different packs. These are just the ones I like, but I've been using this destroyer. So it's a bigger expedition style pack that I'll use for five to 10 days. I've actually started incorporating this one in even like four and five days. Um, you know, I've just got that, that weight down where I want it. It packs the weight so well on there and it's got a bunch of cubic inches. I was able to pull the top lid off, cut some weight there, um, really get this thing down where I want it. And, uh, it, it's just doing really well for me. So I can't wait to use them again this season. They do great. Um, I know I'm going to go in light and come out heavy somewhere, multiple different spots. So can't wait to put them for you to use this season. So thanks to our sponsors for today's show and all of our sponsors for Eastman's Elevated. And uh, over there at Eastman's, yeah, we're just, um, God, we're we're moving right along. Got some great podcasts recorded here. Another uh, couple lined up this week. I've got uh, two lined up for tomorrow morning and then one more that I'm working on for this week, but just getting some great guests. We're going to put out some really good content to you guys here leading up to hunting season and during hunting season. And uh, I want to see all you guys have some good success this season. Um, so... With that, um, yeah, let's get into the show here. All right, so planning for a hunt. Um, gosh, uh, so much of the battle is won and lost in this. Is is just doing all the research, having yourself prepared for the hunt and ready to attack it. it it's always it's always so much tougher than you think it's going to be and so much more difficult than you think it's going to be. Like you, you make these plans for season and then you get there – and I've heard this term, it's like a puncher getting hit in the face, like you're finally in the fight. Like I get on these hunts and and uh, it just, uh, they're trying and challenging. And so I just try to get myself ready for that as good as we can. So I guess we start with, um, okay, so you you drew a tag and you've got a hunt coming up. Or like me, I've got multiple hunts planned this season. And so what I like to do is I like to make a really good hunt plan for each one of these hunts. I like to figure out how many days I'm going to have, whether I'm going to be a weekend warrior, add in a couple days, whether I'm going to do a long extended trip on them and do like like one trip where I take a week and add a weekend to the beginning and at the end try to do like a 10-day or 9-day. Um, so I, I, I first look at the hunt I'm going to do. And so um, like this year... I've got quite a few hunts coming up, and so, you know, I'll just run through them real quick and, and tell you kind of the days I'm going to commit to it and what, what my game plan is, and I start writing all this down in a notebook. So whatever hunt I have that I'm planning on doing, um, I just, I, I make a, a little note in my notebook, and I'll say, like, my my first hunt coming up this year is is Hawaii. Um, I'm going to leave here. It's a week from Thursday. I'm heading over 
Um, you know, a, a lot of the logistics are, are with my buddies out there. I'm going to be hanging with my buddy, Sean, Robin, Janus out there. We have a, a house on Lanai, but I'm starting to, you know, I want to start to, to look at these maps and figure out where I'm going, but I, I need to commit my days is my first thing. So for that Hawaii trip, I think I'm gone somewhere between eight and 10 days. I, I booked my flight. Um, I think I'm the 26th through the third. So, and I want to hunt uh mouflon sheep and then hunt axis deer. And so I just start planning my days, um, what I'm going to need, um, start on a pack list. I haven't been real good at this. Um, you know, in the, in the past, I, I really just get my gear together and I think about it for a day or two and make sure I've got everything I need. I, th- I think it would be advantageous for me to start making a, a gear pack list for short trips, medium trips, and long trips. And so in this, this file that I've started in Hawaii, uh, I've started a pack list in there. Um, and I could also start a food list for food that I need to get once I'm over there, ideas for, for lunches, breakfast, dinners, how many meals I have. So I just start planning it out. So first hunt's Hawaii. Next hunt is uh, antelope here in Montana. Um, I went to a really good uh, antelope spot last year out in the eastern part of the state where I was really seeing those 80-inch antelope, those those crazy big ones, and I've never harvested an 80-incher. I've got quite a few around 75 inches, which are great antelope. Um, so this year, you know, I'm, I'm trying to set my goals for the hunt as well in my notebook, and I'm just writing all this down. So antelope, you know, 2019, you know, what are what are my goals? I'd love to kill an 80 incher. I don't know that that'll be where my goal set. Usually it's around 70 inches. I think this year I'd like to look for a 75 or bigger. I'd like to get a chance at some of those 80 inches. So what's my time for this hunt? Um, like I say, I'd like to get out east. Uh, I don't have anything in that early August. And so I'm just trying to plan my days and I'm trying to plan, well, I think I can shoot out to eastern Montana for a three-day or out in this this one spot that I've kind of learned and go see how it is. I hunted it last year during the rut because um, I was elk hunting out there. But this year, you know, it'll be pre-rut in August, head out there. You know, and then my game plan for antelope, living in my home valley here, it's like anytime I get a free day, I can be out and be hunting them a free evening after work. Um, and, and so once we get into the main deer and elk hunts, you know, this will be a secondary hunt, but... You know, it, it's really good, you know, if I can hold on to my antelope tag into September because the rut is just insane. Not only out east, here in my home valley, just over the hill, I've got another really good antelope spot that I'll go to. So I just start making my game plan and just start writing all the information down and then, um, you know, where I'm going to hunt such species. And so as we get further down the line, the next hunt will be a, a Colorado high country hunt for mule deer. Um, you know, my days for this hunt are limited. I've got 15 days to hunt two states, Wyoming and Colorado, back to back. They're around the same season dates. I drew both of them. I was aggressive with my tags. I wanted to make sure I was hunting high country mule deer. This Colorado spot, I mean, it's 15, 16 hours away from my house. So, um, you know, I'm not going to be able to get down there and put boots on the ground. Um, I know what I'm going to be able to give for days, and I'm thinking like two or three scouting days. And then I'm going to hunt for five days and then I'm going to have to get back, take a day off, hang with the family and head right down to Wyoming. Um, So you can see I start to work my way through these hunts. I start to figure out how many days I have. And then like what I really start doing is I start breaking down these hunts and making a game plan. So this is all written in here. What is my game plan for where I'm going to hunt? So, um, 
you know, Colorado's a tough one. I can't scout. I got no scouting days down in there. It's a brand new unit to me. It's giant backcountry. Um, but I just start breaking down the unit. I start looking at it and I start deciding like, like, where am I going to hunt? Where's my first choice spot? What do I do if I don't find animals there? Where am I going to go to next? And in Colorado, it's such big country. You know, I think I'm going to go all in on a spot, fill up my backpack with the five days worth of food and I'm going to backpack in, you know, I start to work my way through the unit. And when I study a unit, Man, I break that thing down. I've got each place I'm going to hunt, I have it memorized. I've looked at it so many times. I look at it every night. And so I'll go to this, you know, like take for instance this Colorado hunt. And and I, I'll look all the way throughout the unit. I'll look at the mountain ranges, the ridge lines, the basins. And I'm just trying to pick out bucky country, trying to pick out country away from roads, uh, steep and high. I'm just looking for everything the animals need. And experience dictates what looks good to you on Google Earth you know, on Onyx and using all these different map programs and like Google right now, like I'm looking over this Idaho elk spot and I'm going to go hunt this, this Idaho elk spot for, um, oh, the, uh, sep- the third week in September and the fourth week of September. And what I got is I got the Hawaii guys coming to stay with me. I got a late special tag in Montana that's open October 1st to October 20th. So I'm really looking to hunt elk there in Idaho. The Montana guys are, um, or the uh, Hawaii guys are going to come hunt it with me. We're going to go hunt some elk. So I've been scouting this unit, but the the Onyx and the Google Earth pictures of this place suck. <laughs> like it's all snow covered middle of winter. Like you can't really see what's even there. Like you can kind of see there. You can look at topography. You can look at Onyx, but it's really tough country to read. And so like I'll get on Onyx on the computer and then I can t- change the dates. And so I can look through old photos uh, of this country or old aerial imagery of this country. And so eventually I can get to a spring one or to a summer picture where the feeding features are green and the rock tops are rock. And I can really see like country that these elk like to hold in, but I am memorizing these units. And then like, you got to have a game plan down there, even for your scouting, like for this, this scouting that I've been doing down there, like you got to look through the unit and then come up with places that you want to glass, that you want to look at, that you want to hike into, that you think are going to be good hunting. And, and you've got to come up with this game plan, no matter what your skill level is, you've got to look at this unit, break it down and come up with a A plan, B plan, C plan. And so I like to look at it, look how it lays out. And, and then I just start to break down places I like to look at. And all the e-scouting in the world isn't like putting boots in the ground. Bulls like where bulls like, bucks like where bucks like on the hillside. And once you have a good plan or a good place you're going to go hunt, you got to go prove that it's good. You got to go get in there and go see the animals for yourself. There is never a guarantee that look at an aerial imagery that that place is going to be good. It just looks good. It looks promising to you. You know, like I look for... I love like ridge lines where I can look into multiple basins up at the top end or like a giant drainage where I can get on one side, glass the opposing side. Like I'm really looking at how I can see this country, how I can see what's in there. And and I really start to break down where I'm going to hike, where I'm going to camp, 
where I'm going to look, and, and I start to get a game plan for these units. And, and then I, I write down secondary plans. So in Colorado, I'm going all in for five days. What happens if I don't find elk in the or don't find deer in these first couple three drainages? And my plan there is to keep moving and keep going farther into the wilderness is there's more bucky country the farther I get in there. So, you know, I've got this plan for these drainages, and then I, I break it down. Like I'm in Colorado. I'm leaving from this ridgeline, the first drainage. I look at that first drainage and I look at how am I going to camp? How am I going to glass that? And so I find a camping spot down off the ridge, down off lightning danger, um, in a good location where I'm not going to be camping in the box or with the box. Um, you know, and I, I just try to find a nice safe location that's not too far down off the hill. And then where am I going to get my water? I start looking for lakes, springs, water. So I, I just start breaking down this unit and I start looking how I'm going to hunt that first drainage. How am I going to glass it? Okay. I'm going to get down to this knob. I'm going to hike down there at first light. I'm going to glass this drainage. If I see bucks, great. I'm hunting bucks. If I don't find bucks there, where am I going to move my camp? Where am I going to move my backpack? And so then I just start making a plan. Okay, second drainage. Where am I going to camp at there? Okay, I'm going to camp in the same place. I'm going to walk over. It's not that far. Third drainage, how do I hit that? When am I going to move my camp? Where is my next camping location? Like I just try to plot and plan all this out. And um, like I say, these hunts are always tougher when you get on them. And you never know. You could get there and get hit in the face. I know I've disappeared in giant wildernesses looking for a big buck, and I don't see a deer in there. Like, you're always going to have to adapt, evolve, and overcome on these hunts. But if you have a really good hunt plan and multiple pages written down of these places you're going to explore and places you're going to go, all of a sudden I get in there to Colorado— the first three drainages aren't holding deer. I go back to my hunt plan and go, okay, I can keep going back into this bucky country or I may have to hike back down with all my gear, get back to my truck and I've got two, three days left and I've got to go all in in a different spot. And that different spot, I have it written down in my hunt plan. I've studied it. I've looked at where I'm going to camp, where I'm going to go and having this plan in your head, what, how you're going to go about it. It, it is, um, you just don't feel lost on a hunt. You don't feel like a fighter hit in the face. You feel like you can overcome it or that you've, you know, your next move already. You've got it written in your hunt plan. And so there's, you, you don't gotta, you don't gotta think about it or, or reevaluate planet earth. Like you've got that hunt plan and sure you can adapt it or tweak it, um, as you go on the hunt, but at least you've got it laid out how you're going to go about it and where you're going to go. And so I just make these hunt plans and like, um, scouting is so beneficial like actually getting your eyes on the country seeing what animals live there uh, so beneficial for high country mule deer and for elk for any tag really and in elk hunting the scouting is a little bit different than deer hunting and I'll kind of talk about the differences I know I've talked about it before on the podcast um but but like deer scouting, you know, they, they just they live in the high country. They've got that alpine lax attitude, especially in middle of summer. They're just worried about putting on weight. A lot of them have their red summer coats before they start to turn gray, which makes them way easier to see. They're growing these velvet racks, and if you find a good buck, he's going to be right in that same location or those same drainages come hunting season. And so to cover country on these scouting trips, you just get in and cover these alpine basins, and I like to just cover country. I'm just moving. And uh, 
through that, I'm glassing these drainages. And sure, I want to be at the prime spots, the prime times, but I'm just, I'm not going to waste two days in one drainage to see every deer in there. I'll look at it at a morning light, see the majority of them. And then I'm cruising and I'm, I'm really looking to find a good mature buck that I want to shoot in a drainage. And then I'm taking note of it and I'm, I'm learning the country. I'm getting familiar with it. I'm putting deer in that country. And so scouting trips, they're so key. Um, I want to, I want to, um, take a step back real quick. And so scouting trips are key getting into country. So let's say I make my hunt plan for these units and then I've got a unit and I've got a weekend this summer to scout it. It just puts you so much further ahead. You've got like, you gain two or three days of experience in this country it just puts you money ahead come season when you're scouting. And when you're scouting, it allows you to search new country. You're not as, um, you, you know, you're not as desperate to get into animals. It seems like when you're there hunting season, it's tough to go to a new spot if you haven't already looked at it or you haven't scouted it out or you don't know where you're going. And so um, scouting trips are just key for me. And, you know, again, it's that balance. Like summertime, I'm busy with construction. I'm trying to make my money. I'm trying to get ready for hunting season so I can take time off. Um, I'm trying to be a good father and a good husband. I'm trying to take my kids on adventures. I'm trying to take my wife. A lot of times I mix these scouting trips where then we go as a family out. We go family camping or maybe we, you know, grab a pool one night or whatever the case. And then I just try to go early in the morning. And so it's all this balance with my time as I'm sure it is with you guys too. And so, you know, I wish I could be scouting every weekend, every day of the summer, but it's just not feasible to me. And so a lot of these hunts, I just have to plan my scouting days. And so like this year, um, you know, my hunt season starts off here in, in, um, going to Hawaii and then I come back and I've got like maybe a weekend and then antelope starts. And so just limited on time. I've ran two scouting trips over this new elk hunting unit. And then I'm going to run one trip over into the Wyoming high country, which I feel really comfortable about the Wyoming high country. I've already got, um, this is a, a newer unit to me, but I've already harvested a deer out of there. I've got multiple hunting days. I've got three scouting trips in this unit already. So I already know a ton of this country. I could come up with a good working hunt plan right now off what I know. The only scouting mission I want to run is to a new part of the country to see if I can learn it, learn the camping spots, put my eyes on the hillside, maybe find a good buck, and maybe that'll be my A spot I go to and these other spots will be backup. Or I'll be going to my backup spots and then this spot will be backup. You know, what, whatever the case is, whatever I see in there. So, um, But scouting trips are just so key in new areas, just getting in and learning. So the step back I wanted to take is when I first draw a new unit— it's tough. Like I really like, like Onyx is so key to me and I use Onyx almost exclusively now, but I still like to have a big topo map of the area that I'm hunting that, that just gives me like a layout of everything. It gives me the bigger picture. I can see the entire mountain range and then I can start to make notes on it. I can start to make notes on the roads. Like a lot of these roads you can't access, like especially in Montana and places like if it crosses private in the beginning, you can't access it unless it's an access road. And so I just start working my way through the unit and start marking things like where these roads are closed at, which roads I can access, which ones I can't. And I can do a lot of that work, you know, at my house just because I know the, you know, I know 
which roads are like you can get the forest service map too which will give you all the access roads will be in yellow and then you you really look to see where the jump off the skitter roads go off if they leave on state land and stay on state land or leave on public stay on public i know i can drive them if they cross private uh, that's a little dicey probably can't get across it and so i just start making notes on my map of these access points and it starts to kind of lay out like the more remote parts of the the you know at the at the country or landscape that you're hunting i like to find those remote stretches even in roaded country i like to find the the places that don't have roads in it in the back country i like to find places that don't have trails on it these things are just gold mines for animals they just find a way to be where the pressure isn't where humans aren't where it's tougher access to get it into tougher to glass and so these are the little places inside a unit that i'm circling and these are places of interest and i'm circling them I'm marking roadways. Um, you know, if I if I get there and I start seeing uh, elk or deer, I start marking on my map. You know, feeding features, bedding features. I start marking water. Um, by the time I get all said and done, I've got this this map marked up with just all my notes on it. You know, animals I've seen, water sources, roads I can drive, roads I can't drive. Like I'm I'm just marking up this map so I can get a big picture of what's going on, and then. You know, through my e-studying, I want to make a game plan for scouting and for hunting. And so, like, for Colorado, I've got to make a hunt plan. But for, like, this Idaho elk hunt, like, um, you know, I, I've been able to make two trips down there. I've been able to make a scout plan for it. Okay, this is the country I want to scout. This is the place. And, like, this last scouting trip I left um, yesterday, I left my house at 3.30 in the morning and I drove down and I had a scouting plan. I had this all this places I was going to glass and uh, work my way through in the morning glassing hours, glassing all these points. And then once mid-morning got there and the animals were all put away, I had a place where I was going to park and I was going to go hike to the ridge up there. So I did a couple thousand vertical feet, about 10, 12 miles, got back into the back country, just saw some awesome country. It'll definitely be a hunt that I do, you know, this upcoming season. Uh, I saw a bunch of elk in the morning glassing session in a bunch of different spots. I saw everything I need. And for elk scouting, like I'm not looking for the biggest bull on the mountain. Like I know this, these units produce good bulls. I'm just looking for numbers. What kind of elk numbers are in here? What kind of features are they hanging on? What kind of features do they like? And, and these cows will be back in these drainages and hanging in these spots. Like right now they're in their summer range up high and, and they may move down a little bit, but they're going to be in these same areas um, come the rut, come September, they're going to like these same feeding features, these same ridge lines. The bulls are going to be in their rut. And so I'm just looking for elk and elk numbers, and I'm looking for population and making sure they like the country. You know, in this scouting, it teaches me as much about, you know, the elk as it does, you know, the, the different vantage points where I can park. And so, oh, that's what I was getting to is like for the unit, um, you know, the first day you scout it, it's so good just to drive around the unit, just to glass from the road, drive the different roads, see what the trailheads look like, see what the access looks like, glass way up into the mountain peaks in places, try to see critters. Like I love just driving through a unit and learning it. And you can do this for a day, two days, three days. You just learn units, you learn access points, learn roads, learn the layout of the unit, what the mountains look like. And from that, you you compile that with your e-scouting information and things start to make more sense where you're seeing animals and and putting your eyes on the country. Like you e-scout, you e-scout your brain out 
So I have the whole unit memorized and roads memorized and things. And so I know the entire unit. It's just different when you get there, man. It's like always bigger than you think it is. And, and I, I've made this mistake over and over and over. But you just look at it on a map and you just think, I'm going to go here and do this and do that. And then you get there and they're giant mountains. And so it's always good to get a reality check and a scouting trip of what the country actually looks like. Like I looked at some of this scouting and I thought I could work this ridgeline yesterday. And I can't. The peaks just get too steep. There's a couple peaks that are pushing 11,000 in it, and they just got too steep where you can't work that ridgeline. So you got to go down and around to go see the next drainages over the other side. It's all information that I wouldn't know unless I went there and looked at it. I mean, I just couldn't tell off a topo map. It looked like I could do it. It looked like I could do it off, off Onyx, you know. So... Um, I, I do use Onyx a ton. Like I say, I look at these units every single night on Onyx and trail systems. And um, I, I'm always looking for good vantage points, too, that are going to lay out the country to me where I can really see what's in there. And so and I start to mark vantage points on my map. And and so I just I build this whole hunt plan around my scouting, my e-scouting. To where, you know, I've just got pages of notes on this place and then I've got notes written all over my map and, and then I just go to learning it. Like once hunting season's here, like I got so many different places I want to walk to, I want to check out. I got more options than I can even get to. And so when I have that many options, it's just like I've got this plan moving forward, you know, to to go hunt this place and turn up critters. So that's what I'm trying to do right now. And for each one of these hunts, I've got pages of notes that I'm filling out. Each one of these hunts, I'm studying maps of where I'm going to hunt. Like, I, you know, antelope, I don't need to make as big a plan just because I've hunted them from so many years. And it's almost like wherever I find the animals at. I know so many little public land pieces that I know that I'm going to, you know, go hunt a day over in the rubies here. I know that when I get a day, I'll hunt the Madisons and I can decide on that day where I'm going to go. But these, these other longer hunts like this elk hunt coming up, it's in a unit I've never hunted. So I've got to start to figure it out where I'm going to walk, vantage points I'm going to sit, trailheads I'm going to be on. And once you have a master hunt plan to these places, like once you get in there for season, um, it just, it just feels like you have, such a good working knowledge of the unit and the critters in there. It just seems like you can always put yourself into animals. And so that's what I try to build. And then, um, you know, of course it's, it's balancing everything else. And so like, um, it's, it's making a hunt plan, um, how many days you're going to be. It's also making that plan with your family, making sure that everything's covered, making that plan at work, and uh, making sure everything's taken care of. And I'm I'm self-employed. I've got the, the Barney construction. And so, you know, I know I'm going to be gone a lot this season. And I've got a lot of hunts planned, which can stress me out. I know I've got responsibilities and I've got to come through. So, you know, what I've got to do in my job is figure out how I can delegate, you know, how I can, you know, put either my dad in charge or put, you know, my lead guy as a foreman in charge. And I'm a contact number and I try to be real honest with my clients that I'm going to be gone. These are the things we're going to have to handle while I'm here, when we're going to have to meet. And so I just try to work around it that way. And I, I try never to be uh, uh, sneaking off. Like I try to be upfront and honest with my clients, with my family and, and, you know, with my family, it's a, it's a huge stress coming hunting season where I'm just trying to do as many cool things with them right now and spend as much time with them as I can be as it's good around the house as I can. Like, God, I've got so much work done around the house, redoing the decks this year. And, um, gosh, I, um, 
re-clear coat and stuff on the inside, you know, windows and doors and trim and things. And then, um, God, I just, I mucked out the garage on Saturday, get ready for hunting season, just went through a bunch of old building supplies and things, just tried to reorchestrate everything I could. You know, I just try to get all that stuff done in these summer months or not done like I want to spend qualities, but just so I set myself up for hunting season. And then I just make a plan with my wife and and we've had this relationship going for a long time. And she she pulls a lot of the the slack around here, making sure things are taken care of. But I just kind of tell her what hunts I have coming up with and what my plan is. You know, hey, I got the Hawaii guys are coming in for a couple weeks. We're going to hunt here. I'll be back for two, three days in between, two, three days here. I'm flying out these dates. I'll be back. I try to really make a plan with her. And then, you know, she's also got important things that she needs to take care of where I need to be around and and, uh, take care of the kids and make sure things get taken care of. So I just build that in my schedule. Um, so I, I really make a plan. I'm really upfront with it. And, um, I, I'm really, I'm really upfront about what I love in life too. Like I, I love backcountry hunting more than anything. And so I spend all year, uh, you know, trying to prepare and get ready to cut these lakes loose in the mountains. I just, I love it so much. I learned so much about myself and, and life is too short. Like I can't believe I'm almost 40 years old. Like the years just click off so quick. And, um, you know, you, there's 365 days a year how many days do you really spend doing what you love to do hey better try to spend as much time as you can while still taking care of your responsibilities but I'm really upfront about my passion my love for the outdoors you know what I learn from it and I try to come back a better person you know and so um like for me I just love to commit myself on these hunts so I'm really upfront um you know with my wife and my family and it it also helps that I've got myself to a good financial position like I'm I'm not rich by any means um you know I just make an honest living and in Montana you know we don't make a ton of money here but it's not how much you make it's what you do with it like um gosh even like I learned a long time ago like I spent this one season it had to be 20 years ago and I had bought I, you know, I was working construction job, working for somebody and I had bought this new gear that I needed to upgrade new camo and a new range finder. I can't remember exactly everything I bought, but, and then I got into season. I didn't have any money to put any gas in my rig. So I was forced to just work hunting season and I couldn't get to the good hunting spots. And I'd spend like a lot of my money on just gear and you do need to upgrade your gear, but it's just like one piece at a time. And if you can pick it up, used or like what I do is I look to upgrade one or two pieces a year that I really need and then I I make the other stuff work it's more important to have money in your account to be able to put gas in your rig to be able to take those days off work and go than it is to have all the fancy gear and so like I I've just started doing that and I like I I'm fortunate now to where you know I've been doing it 20 years like I've upgraded all my gear I've got you know every year I picked a couple items and so now I you know I've got all the necessary stuff I need but I mean even back in the day like I'd make a bow last I mean you know now I'm getting a I'm I'm spoiled I get a bow every year that I get to set up and and have and use for season but there is a day and a time when you know I I'd use a bow 5 6 7 years and uh just make it work um so it's it's really important to like have yourself like during hunting season 
it's really tough to enjoy these hunts if your mind's somewhere else. If your mind's at work thinking of the stuff you need to get done or the the stress you have, you're not on the hunt. If you're on a hunt and you're thinking about your wife and that she's mad at you or that your family's, you're not going to have a good hunt. And and same thing with your finances. You don't have enough money to pay your bills to get you through season. You're not going to be out there enjoying the hunt. You're going to you're going to be out there thinking I should be working, I should be making money, I should be making money for the household. And so like for me, enjoying hunting season, enjoying these hunts, and enjoying this time it is having my life squared away, like having everything taken care of. And so it forces me to be a better person throughout the year to take care of my my debt and my finances. So when season gets here, I can take this time off and go on these trips and have these amazing experiences and really leave the rest of the stresses of my life to go challenge myself in the wilderness, you know, one-on-one with a big muley buck. Like, that is what I love to do. And so, you know, through that, like, I, I've been able to get myself in a good financial position. And, and it just comes with time. When you're young in your 20s, it's tough to have and save money. But I would say it's not how much you make. It's what you do with it. And and not paying out everything in interest or everything for items, you know, and not being debt up to your eyeballs. Like, that's the American way. They just say, borrow, 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 have a new truck, have a new house, have a boat, have a this, have a that, just finance it. And pretty soon, your payments are so much where you're just working all the time to make those payments. And so, you know, for for me, like, I don't make a ton of money, but I'm really smart with it. And, um, you know, and I've worked hard on personal investments. Like, not only am I working at at, at work to, to make money, to pay my bills, to pay what I need to do and paying my debts down, but I'm also then taking the money I make and I'm investing it in personal investments and, you know, whatever that is, whether it's, you know, a, a dabble in everything from mutual funds. But for me, I'm a builder. And so my money goes well into building, into my houses. And, and to have a low house payment is so nice. And, and what I do is I just build these houses for free. I build them even evenings and weekends. I still work my full-time job. I get these houses done, live, live in them two years. Once you live in them two years, you don't pay any capital gains on the money you make. So you make a hundred grand, you don't pay any money on that hundred grand. Where can you make any money tax-free in today's day and age? You can't, but you can make it on your personal home. Uh, we get to play by some of these big boy rules and it's just part of the rules that you know us carpenters or contractors get to play on so I was able to do my first house and sell it and and keep building these things live in them and then sell them and my family's been great we've been a gypsy family but we keep tight and together during these these times my wife she helps so much she just takes care of me she has so much patience she makes sure that I'm fed you know that I can work these long hours make sure the girls get to where they need to go, brings the girls out to work with me on the house. Like, she's just great. We just have a program and a system um, where we really work together to get these things done, live in them, sell them, take the money, reinvest it in the next house. You know, eventually we'll have no house payment, um, everything we make goes in our in our pocket, and and even now, like I've got my house payment really low to where, you know, my house payment's low. I've got to have a decent rig. Rigs are just tough, man. Oh man, you're 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 best to just. Uh, what are you best to do? Like new rigs, you're throwing money away, but you keep your payments low. You're paying low interest. You. What the smartest would be to buy a used rig or to buy it new and run it out, but you just got to figure it out for yourself. You got to pencil out payments. You got to pencil out interest. But for me, my truck is my number one tool. Like, um, yeah, I've got a drip, but I paid cash for it 10 years ago for three grand. So that's paid off. I don't have a, a side-by-side payment. I don't have any other payments. So my truck payment is number one for me because for me, it's what I use to travel. I use it to travel to Arizona. I'll use it to travel to 
Colorado to Wyoming to Idaho. And, and if my truck breaks down, you know, that, that is my transportation. It's, it's my, it is, um, it is my main tool for hunting around the West. Like even these wilderness trips, I still got to drive up to the trailhead to get there. I still got to use my four wheel drive to get to the trailhead. I, you know, I, I have a canopy on it. I sleep in the back a lot of times when I'm truck camping. I use it so much. It's so beneficial for my hunting. So I've got to have a good rig, but I've also got to figure it out for myself. You know, if I'm trading them in every two years, I'm just giving that money away in interest. So I've got to pay them off and then run them until they die. Or like that last one, you know, um, I, I had plans to keep it uh, past 200,000, run it till it dies. And I started getting up there 160, 70, 180,000 miles on it. I was just having problems with that truck. Um, all of a sudden, I was putting five, $6,000 in mechanic payments in that truck every year. And so pretty soon it was like, well... I'm just making my payment and this truck is breaking down all the time. I'm just putting it all into the mechanics. I'd be smarter off to take my equity, wrap it into another newer truck that I can trust and then run that truck out. And, you know, that that truck, it seemed like it was rattling apart. I was having just problems with different things. And so for me, the right move was to trade it in, have a payment, have a trust, a truck I can trust again. But everybody's got to work out their own deals. But you don't got to have the newest, nicest, fanciest truck to be reliable either. I get that. Like the smartest move for me to make probably would have been to pick up one of those tundras or something and pick up a used one for 20 grand and then try to pay it off cash real quick, you know, and not have a truck payment. So, you know, I'm, I'm still working on all these facets of my life to try to figure it out. But, um, you know, if, if you can get your life to where you get that debt load down, where you're just not paying a lot of interest and you get to keep your money, it gives you financial freedom. And so, you know, throughout the year, you know, for your hunting season, you got to be planning for it and sticking money away. Some, some guys got paid vacation. That's great. You know, paid vacation, you're paid to go on vacation and hopefully you can add more years of paid vacation in and save those for hunting season and be able to use those. That's great. Everybody's situation is different, but you got to get your finances or in order, your family in order to really enjoy backcountry hunting, you know, to, to really enjoy the experience to its fullest. And so like, I don't know, I was just thinking about that and kind of wrote it down in my notes as I was going through. Cause I, I do know like a lot of times the things that are holding us back, aren't the, the scouting or the hunting or being able to hunt hard or being able to shoot. Like we can have all that stuff covered. Like a lot of times it's this bigger stuff in life, these finances, uh, you know, this, this balancing with our family and with our marriage. A lot of times it's these bigger items that get in the way of hunting season. And so, you know, if right now in the summertime, if you can plan for that a little bit better and be working harder around the house, working harder family vacations with your family, working harder to prep your, your wife, and then also saving money. Like I, Man, I mean, I just, um, you know, big ones for me are not eating out, like eating at the house. And if the family wants to eat out, like I don't mind taking my family for a nice dinner. But, you know, you drop 40, 50 bucks or 100 bucks if it's a nice dinner. Like I can cook that same stuff as good here at the house. So try to just have groceries in the house. And then if if my wife doesn't feel like cooking, we split like the cooking cleaning duties. But if she doesn't feel like cooking, then, you know, I just try to jump in there and just go, okay, well, I'll, I'll barbecue some chicken or, you know, hey, I'll, I'll cook a steak on the grill. You know, I'll cook some fallow deer tonight. I think that's what we're having tonight. I think I heard her take that out. I'll cook some fallow deer and some potatoes and some greens and make a salad. It's just not that much effort. And I just save that money, you know, I, um, I'm just tight and I like to, 
I like to spend my money on experiences. I just think that's like in the end of our life, we're going to look back at how many different experiences we had. And and I know this is really hippy dippy, but um, like I believe like every place I go becomes a part of me at the end of life. All we are is the experiences we had. It's not going to be the the nice car we had. It's not going to be the brand new 2019 bow we had like you were going to remember the experiences. And so um I, I try to spend my money and I'm really tight on money, but it comes to hunting season. I budgeted to put gas in my rig. So for me, like yesterday driving, you know, however many hours down there, three hours down there, three hours home, doing my scouting, getting in a big run, like, um, it, it's just worth it for me to spend that gas money to get down there and scout. Cause I know it's going to pay dividends during season. So I really try to stick my, my money away and really try to plan for season, um, and so that's what I'm going to do this year. Um, I, I, I want to take more time than ever, which is just great. I'm so fortunate. This podcast is part of it. It, it affords me the opportunity to be able to take more time through this, my writing, my filming. And it's not like I make a killing off of them, but it's enough of a bonus to where, you know, that, that pays for a lot of my hunting and pays for a lot of my time off. And so that's yeah, another thing, you know, I, I cannot neglect. So that's on my list to prepare for hunting season is to get these good podcasts recorded and, and be ready to loose out to you guys, to, to have my articles done, to, to be ready to go on my, my filming, the hunts that we're going to do and put everything into them and come back with footage um so you know that's a it's a big part of my life that i have to make sure that that stuff is taken care of i uh, gotta be good on my instagram posts guys your my social media it's just such a great way to put out free content like i can just i can build myself and my name through putting out this free content on this social media and i can help build the podcast and so it's so important that i i need to continue to post really good content and i i like doing i like taking good pictures i like sharing with you guys like i just i gotta keep putting that out there so i've got to plan for it maybe get some posts ready ahead of time and it's something i need to think about and put effort in construction same thing you know making arrangements to 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 leave guys in charge of projects that i've got going and to not be tied down or or totally stressed out on these deals and so making those arrangements it's it's such a big part of hunting season that that isn't really discussed that i that i just wanted to add in today like once you draw a unit like being prepared for it so i i think we're building a pretty good hunt plan um starting to study our maps and so um you know, we got a good game plan during season and then it's just making sure that you have everything ready. I mean, you guys knew I was going to talk about mental toughness. I can hardly go through an episode without talking about it or talking about preparation or shooting your bow or physical fitness. All these elements are so important to success. So along with getting my life right, along with making a hunt plan is my training and training has just become part of my life. I am so happy when I'm training hard and it really feels like I'm putting effort towards my goals. Like I'm paying my hunting dues to be successful this season and I'm paying them right now. Um, when you're worn down on a hunt, you just don't hunt as effectively and and I can tell you that because I'm, I've been worn down, you know, the last handful of days after big hikes or, or, or big days or big runs, um, sleep deprivation, like waking up the other morning at three 30, driving for six hours, being down there scouting, doing a big run down there. Like you're just worn out. And, and I know like during these hunts, you're going to be sleep deprived. You're going to be exhausted. You're going to need to push on and just the, the better shape you can 
you can be and go into these hunts, just the more you enjoy them. And, and the tougher you are mentally to just get ready to overcome all these tasks and challenges, just the more you're going to enjoy it. And so for me, it's a, it's a big part of the preparation. And so, I mean, start with, with physical fitness and everybody knows to work out, to be trails, to get your pack on, but man, it is so important. These mountains are so tough and so brutal. And what's going to get you in these mountains? It's not going to be the miles. Everybody likes to refer to distance in miles. How many miles back was it? How many miles back into this spot? I'll tell you right now, like I can do 26 miles in three hours. I can do a marathon in three hours. Um, you know, to get to some of my hunting spots, sometimes I'm only going a couple miles back or a few miles back, but it's all the elevation. It's all the up and down and it'll take me six or seven hours of grinding to get back to that. That's double the exertion it takes for me to do a marathon. The distance in mountains is not miles. And, and so the distance in, 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 in the mountains is elevation and exertion and hours. And I guess we need to have a common term that we can refer to things, but what's going to get you in the mountains is going to be the elevation and it's going to be the weight on your pack. Those are the two absolute equalizers weight on the pack. And it, you got to go as a minimalist, try to cut your weight down as low as you can. I love to be in the thirties, like 30 to 40 pound range for any of my hunts. Sometimes my longer expedition hunts, I'll get into around 42, 43 pounds, but you know, that's not counting my bow or the clothes I'm wearing or my binoculars. So it gets to be a little bit heavier. I'm just talking pack weight, but pack weight, I try to keep it low and then I just have to get pack work throughout the summer. So I did good bear season. You know, I've constantly got my scope, my big camera with me. And so, you know, I had a pack on my back every single day. Also these scouting missions pack on my back and I'm just getting my back and my muscles used to this. It does like your legs are going to carry you through these hunts. You're going to have to count on your legs to carry you up, carry you down, keep you safe, not twist anything. Uh, but it's also going to be your back and your core and those, those packs just work your back and your core so much too. And so having that pack on, um, getting pack work in this summer, super important, getting yourself used to that pack. Um, for me, like I say, it all starts and ends with the legs. I trust my legs so much in the mountains and also just for stability, keeping me safe, not twisting anything. Um, you know, the, the backpacking in the mountains is there's so many great exercises you can do for the legs. Nothing trains you like the mountains, like the mountains. I love getting back there on scouting trips and packing missions, but you guys know me. Like I love to trail run, like trail run. It just works for me. Like I can just go get a workout. Like I look at people posting uh, miles or elevation that they do. And I do that every single day. I mean, I do, I, I probably average around a thousand vertical feet up and down every single day. And in a lot of days I do more, you know, yesterday I did a couple thousand vertical or maybe 2,300 vertical in a bunch of miles in the mountains up and down. Um, you know, as, uh, oh, a week ago or so, um, I did 5,000 vertical on one go. Like I love getting vertical feet up and down hills, mountains and running. I can just put that amount of stress on my body. So backpacking, it's an endurance sport, right? And so like when you're backpacking, when you're hunting, you're going to need to exert yourself for hours, four, five, six hours, sometimes eight hours a day. And then it's day in, day out. Every day that workload is stacking on top of itself. And so that exertion, well, I can't go get an eight hour workout every day. I don't have the time. I have, you know, I can, I'm really good at getting my workouts every day, but I can get like an hour. Maybe I can get two hours. Maybe I can get three, but that's about it. Well, even a three hour backpack trip, it gets me a good workout, 
but it's just what I can do running in the mountains. Like I can just do so much more miles in elevation in a short period of time. So I can put that high stress level on my body in, in 40 minutes, in one hour, in an hour and a half. I can put that stress that I would put on my body in six hours of backpacking. And then what I can do is I can run every single day. So I get my body used to it day in, day out putting in that effort day in, day out, you know, and so that, that's really, it's such a key to my success is just the shape that I'm in, the fitness, and I can just trust my body too, I, you know, I feel like a professional athlete, I feel like I, I eat right, I train right, like I, I really find what my body's capable of, and when I get in the mountains, like I'm like a caged lion. My legs are just ready to go. My legs don't get tired walking up hills or, you know, I feel like I feel fatigued like everybody else, but I just train so hard and have my body so ready that it's just ready for that day in, day out. It's ready to do. I mean, I did, you know, oh, here we are in miles again, but you know, I did 10, 12 miles yesterday, 23,000 feet of, not 23,000, that'd be a hell of a day, <laughs> 2,300 uh, feet of elevation gain and lost. And, you know, my legs aren't tired. I don't feel exhausted this morning. I just feel like that's normal. And I want to find my limits and push myself and make myself tired, which I do routinely. And, and a lot of these days, I like to get these longer runs in. But I've got my body where it's used to doing that kind of miles and elevation. My body's just used to it. That's just another day for Brian Barney. You know, it's like a, it's, and so getting my body ready for this, like coming into season, I absolutely can't wait. Like I'm, I'm just go ready to go put miles upon miles. And, you know, sometimes you think about competition in a unit or hunting a unit, but like, I, I just know that my exertion level and what I'm going to put into the hunt, there isn't going to be many guys that are going to be able to, to endure that. Like I can just endure more because I train harder preparing for it. So I rely so much on my fitness for, for, um, how I feel enjoyment of these hunts. It's such a big part of my life and big part of my backcountry hunting. So it's so important. And I also like when I talk mental strength, being able to go day in, day out, being able to go see what's over the next ridge. Like you got to talk yourself into everything you do on a hunt. You got to tell yourself that you're going to move your camp and go look over the next ridge, or you're going to go all the way out to the truck. And it's really easy to take the easy way out in those situations. Sometimes you know, you go back to the truck and you, ah, heck, I haven't seen any animals. I'm just going to call it. Or, you know, you're in camp and you're not finding animals, but you're backpacked all the way in there. It's just easier to stay in there than it is to change areas or change locations. But when I have my body ready for season, like I just, um, I, I, I know my legs are so capable to go make that stock. I know I can make it back to camp. I know I can move my camp. I know I'm capable of it. And so I just go for it. I just send it and, and then just see what happens. And I give myself a chance. I continue to give myself a chance on these animals, which eventually works out. Sometimes I'll see a six point. He'll be three miles off in a whole mountain range, but I'll go over there to go see if I can make something happen just because I know I can. I know my, my body's fit enough. I know my legs will carry me and, you know, I know it'll be, it's going to add to the experience and the venture and I might just kill that thing, you know, and eventually I will and it'll work out, you know, and so that's really how I go about season and, and I get so much mental toughness from just the day in, day out and, and like my outlook on these hunts is better just because I've sharpened my mind like I I know what I can endure and what my body can do I know I've pushed myself to the limits I know how to put one leg in front of the other and so that's how I build a lot of my mental strength is is just through my my physical training so um I love to have my body ready to go and then you know I talk about the starts uh 
begin and end with your legs, which is so true. You just want to get so much leg workout. So much, if you just focus on elevation, you focus on getting that pack weight on your back and just putting, you know, day in, day out grinding, like it just gets you in such good shape. Um, the other thing that you're going to have to rely upon where this whole hunt's going to come down to it, uh, whether you're successful or not, um, you know, a successful hunt always comes down to making a shot. And so I know I talk about this all the time, but it's just putting in that bow work just day in, day out, getting so comfortable with that thing, having that bow just be an extension of your body. I know my bow so well, uh, you know, I, am going out, I, I shoot, you know, for me, I shoot every single day, you know, I don't, I, I've corrected any, um, I, I make changes in my form to have the correct form to, to not battle any target panic where, um, I'm just putting arrows in the middle and then, you know, once I get my bow, I'll fine tune with that thing is just shooting right now. I practice a lot of difficult angles. I practice a lot from shooting from my knees and, and, uh, I shoot, I, I practice a lot at drawing my bow really slow, like holding my bow up and the pin on the animal and then drawing really slow with limited amount of movement. Cause I know at some point this season, there'll be an animal staring right at me and I'm going to have to draw my bow and try to get a shot off. And so, um, you know, I practice that a lot. I practice shooting angles, making sure my third axis is on. You know, I just go through all these things. I try to shoot with one leg. I try to sprint out to the target, grab my arrow, sprint back. I try to do 50 pull-ups and or 50 push-ups and shoot my bow or 50 pull-ups. I do that too. I'll do my pull-ups and then I'll go out and shoot my bow with fatigued arms. And the bow doesn't aim as good, but it almost feels like it does when I'm shooting at an animal during season. But I, I just, I work with that bow. I practice with it. I practice as many high pressure situation shooting in front of people shooting with buddies I'm just always shooting my bow always working on it always thinking about it trying to get the right tune into that bow and and man I just I know my bows inside it out and then I think it's really important like before season like I've gone through my bow and I have loctited all my screws on there the blue loctite and uh just to Things come loose during season and packing them around and things to tighten down, go through all your Allens, make sure everything's tightened down, everything's Loctited in. I've gone through my entire bow. I don't need to tie a new string loop on. I don't need to try it, tie a new knocking point on. Like I just get all that stuff situated. I go through my release and I make sure that I clean my release and that I oil my release so it's a smooth release so it doesn't, like, I know I've told you guys this before, and this is one of my biggest tips, is those releases get sticky, all of them. Trigger finger, thumb, you know, whatever it is, they, they get sticky. If there's any delay, excuse me, if there's any delay in that release, like, all of a sudden, it could be, like, micro fractions of a second that there's a delay but in those micro fractions of a second your bow moves before the arrow leaves the bow it just makes such a difference on accuracy to have a clean crisp release so I always check my releases make sure they're oiled up make sure that everything is crisp and set right on them uh, make sure everything's tight to my bow um, go through my arrows, check my broadheads, check my fletchings. Like you got to really go through your gear with a fine tooth comb. And even when I, before I go on a stock on an animal, when I knock that arrow, I check my broadhead, check that it spins, I check my fletchings. There's so much that can go wrong in the moment that you you just get so diligent at checking your gear, working through your gear, and then you know, keep that, like, I have to keep shooting through season. I don't just practice and it's opening day and then season's here. I continue to shoot because I got late season hunts coming up. I got to keep sharp. And so anytime I get the chance I'm shooting, 
I do carry an arrow with a field point in my bow, and it, even if I'm hunting backcountry, I try to find a soft spot in the dirt where I can shoot or a, a stump where I can just shoot and just make sure my gear is on. Like, um, that hunt's going to come down to making a shot, and especially, like, some of these higher-degree difficulty of shots. Like, you might have to make a 55 or a 60-yard shot. There's no room for error there. You, your bow has to be fine-tuned, and you have to execute a perfect shot. And... And I like to go through and and uh, I like to visualize. I like to visualize the hunt going down. And so, at night, like before I go to bed every night, I'm I'm visualizing and I'm I'm visualizing being in Colorado, getting a shot at my buck, and I'll play different scenarios through my head. And for me, I I to execute a good shot. I know that I have to draw back, put the pin on the animal. And then I kind of talk myself through the shot and tell myself to keep pulling, keep pulling. Like, I don't want to get too excited and just get the pin on the animal and make it go now. Like, that's a bad recipe for me. I got to let that pin aim and pull on it, and it may just be a couple extra seconds. But if I do that, that animal dies, and I execute a good shot. So through my head, like, I play this game at night when I lay my head down, and I think of this giant muley out in front of me, and I picture it. He's bedded, and I can see his rack, and all of a sudden he stands up and he was crouched down and I let him walk out and he's looking around and I wait and then I wait for him to put his head down and I draw my bow and then I go through the motions. I anchor back. I, I visualize my peep and my sight lining up. I visualize my level, leveling my bow. I visualize sticking my pin on him, pull, 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 execute, and I execute a good shot and that's how I go to bed every night. <laughs> uh, I know I am absolutely out of my mind, but it's like um, doing this in these visualizations. I used to do it a lot in wrestling and it just helps. It just feels like I've been there before and I've wrapped my head around the process and what I need to do to be successful this season. And you only get like a few chances at greatness. Like you only get like a couple chances to make your shot at a 205 inch buck or, you know, whatever, 360 inch bull. You're, I'm going to get a shot this year on a bull like that. Like I know I will create that opportunity. I just have to make my shot. I have to make sure I'm doing everything in my power to have myself ready and my brain ready to execute a good shot. And so, um, yeah, I mean, I'm insane. That's what I'm visualizing at night is these hunts. Um, you know, I, I also like to go through and I like to list the challenges. So we were talking about those hunting notes. I like to list the challenges I'm going to face on these hunts. And, you know, like on that, that September elk hunt, you know, I'm going to get snow at some point. I'm going to get rain. What am I going to do during that? How am I going to overcome it? Okay, I've got a good camp. I'm going to make sure I camp down in the bottom. I'm in a safe spot. I'm going to ride out these storms and I'm going to use the snow to my advantage. And, and same thing, I know... Um, you know, I talk about lightning a lot as that's like the scariest thing in my world. And it's not bad. I just, I mean, I just rode out a really good storm on the Madisons. Uh, you know, I, I, I ride out storms all the, all the time and in elk season, isn't that big a deal. And a lot of you guys, um, you know, probably can't, um, can't imagine why you'd be scared of lightning. Cause you guys have been around it. It's been through your houses. You've been in your rigs, but there's just something about the high country and lightning storms. And any of you guys that hunt those high country bucks, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You've been there like, um, those lightning bolts when they're striking all around you, it's spooky. And so, you know, I know I'm going to have to go through that this season. And so for me, like I, that's my biggest challenge, like rattlesnakes, grizzly bears, like, yeah, I know, uh, vast remote backcountry. You bet. Those are all challenges I'm going to face. Not finding animals. That's a challenge I'm going to face hunting pressure. I'm going to get into an area and there's guys, but I like to just work my way through these problems now. So when I get there, I feel like I've been there before. And so lightning's the biggest one for me. Um, I swear I have PTSD from lightning and I, 
I don't, it's not even fair for me to compare it to what military guys go through overseas and being in war and having their buddies die. It's nothing like that. But it's just the way that the brain works where um, I've been in enough really sketchy situations with lightning that where, yeah, it's inside my head. And when I know that I'm going to have to ride out a storm, like even the other day on the Madison, um, and we floated down, it was just this giant storm. In fact, I'll release some pictures of it today that I took while we were fishing coming into it. Just this giant nuclear storm. But, um, you know, I was able to tuck into a good bench and be in a safe spot. I knew I was safe. It was no big deal. And it's just part of doing the business in, in the outdoors. And, you know, you're going to have to face some challenges. So rode out that storm, that bench. But my point was, is that even when that lightning starts coming and I know I'm facing that storm my heart is beating out of my chest like I've got a real fear of that lightning it's just out of my control and when it's striking around you inside a mile inside half a mile where it's snap boom like god my heart just beats out of my chest it's just um it's just one of those things that I know I'm gonna have to face but I know these experiences that I'm having in this backcountry hunting means more to me than than the safety of my home during a lightning storm or I don't even know how to phrase that like part of the fun of the wilderness and I've really struggled with trying to you know I, I try to articulate this on the podcast all the time what it means to me or why why us guys would would gamble with our life or um why it's so important to us to go out and challenge ourselves like that and it's really tough to try to explain or put into words like what it actually means to me but um you know, it's, it's just, um, everything is so nerfed in life today. Everybody's trying to keep you so safe with handrails and with, you know, everybody sues somebody if they don't put a, a wet uh, floor sign down and like every everybody wants to be so protected in these rigs. We've got airbags and we got, and rigs are super dangerous. I realize that, but we just don't feel the danger in our lives. Like we come home, we're in a nice house, a lightning storm comes over. I'm sitting here having a glass of iced tea watching, you know, it's like no big deal. Um, it's just life is so comfortable. And when you go out in the wilderness and you fend for yourself and the decisions you make, uh, you have to keep yourself safe out there, but not everything's nerfed. Like you're able to go have an adventure. I'm able to make my own decisions to keep myself safe. And, and that is such a, a, a freeing, like, like thought or idea that I can go out in the woods. There's nobody telling me what I can and can't do. Sure, I've got laws and rules I've got to follow, but if I want to climb that mountain, I climb that mountain. If I want to climb down a chute, I climb down the chute. If I want to camp on the ridge, I camp on the ridge. Like it's so freeing to have like these decisions you make that directly affect your safety and keeping yourself safe and in and in your life like your life is going to be in danger at times and you're going to feel it like during a lightning storm you feel your life in danger you feel that that visceral fear inside like like having those those moments in in that experience like I, it's just a growing experience and it's it's just something that I have fallen in love with it just it um bow hunting challenges me to my absolute core it's one of the most difficult things out there it is so freaking challenging to arrow a trophy animal like not only do you have to mountaineer or be good at mountaineering like like those guys climb to the top of a peak um and then climb down maybe stay overnight we're trying to live back there in the the wilds of the wilderness this the most remote country that the lower 48 has to offer and we're surviving back there and we're not only getting to the top of the mountain we're finding good vantage points and trying to get within a a stone's throw of a wily big buck or a big bull um the challenge of it and the 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 keeping yourself safe is just 
um, so invigorating. Like it's just absolutely everything. It just drives me in life to have like I feel like that's what's important in life. Like definitely family and friends are number one, but having this this bow hunting, this super tough, challenging ordeal that makes me you know, I have to dedicate my life to it. Like I have to live a bow hunting lifestyle day in, day out and something that I can just put all my hard work and effort in and then see it return back to me, you know, with a successful hunt or arrowing a successful critter. The, those feelings are just some of the, the, the most fulfilling, best feelings I've ever had in my entire life. It's like proving to yourself what you can do. It's like setting this this monumental challenge out in front of yourself that's going to take all this work and dedication and discipline and then doing all all the necessary hard work and putting everything into it and seeing it return back to you in a successful harvest of a big muley buck or a big bull. Um, man, it just, uh, it's the greatest feeling on earth. And so, um, I just absolutely love it and love challenging myself and, and love doing these backcountry hunts. It's just absolutely everything. So, um, giant season planned. Uh, so I started telling you guys, I got Hawaii coming up. I leave in a week and a half, come back. I've got antelope, uh, come back from antelope. I'm doing Colorado backcountry, huge wilderness unit for high country bucks. Then I've got a Wyoming backcountry hunt. I get back from Wyoming, uh, and I'm hunting Idaho elk. Got a couple weeks of hunting Idaho elk, which I'm really excited to put all my effort into elk this year. Um, I've killed some really good bulls over the years and consistently kill a good six point every year. Um, last year I fell short. That is the driving force behind me. Like I, I learned more from my failures than my successes and to fall short on an elk season just kills me to not kill a really nice six point bull. I missed that one at the end of season. I got into a bunch. I definitely passed some smaller bulls, but that was not the ending I want. And I'm going to make sure this year that I get the ending I want. And I really want to chase like, um, these next level bulls. Like I've got a lot of bulls in between 320, 350 and, um, which are really nice bulls. I'll be psyched with killing one of those bulls, but man, do I want to find and harvest one of those 350 plus mega giants. And I want to put in the work and give myself the chance to be able to do it. And, um, so this, this year I'm going to put a lot of effort into elk. So I've got that Idaho elk. I'm going to do that for a couple weeks on and off, have to return home, get some work done here and there. And then, um, I've got all October to hunt Montana elk and a couple different spots, general season spots. And then I've also got a special tag, um, back in one of my favorite elk areas in Montana. So I can't wait to hunt that. Uh, Montana season goes all the way to October 20th this year for elk. And so uh, I'm going to hunt elk hard there in that late season, that October. And really, I just want to get one bull down from Idaho to Montana. I don't need to kill one in each state, but just I just want to hunt hard, give myself a chance at a really nice bull, and uh, see if I can come up with one or two of those guys um, out of those hunts. So that's a really big focus for me this year. It's why I'm scouting so much on those units. It's why I'm putting so much effort into it and uh, why I just keep searching for new elk areas. I cut my teeth hunting elk, and uh, man, I just love hunting those things during the rut. And uh, can't wait to turn up some good bulls this year. So back-to-back Colorado, Wyoming, and then I go to Idaho for elk for a couple weeks, on and off. And then um, Montana for elk, uh, that'll close down October 20th. Then from there, I need to get my family a little break and be hanging out, get some work done. Uh, I'll start hunting rutting mule deer, start around November 1st in Montana. I got an over-the-counter the tag there, some good spots that have been turning up some good bucks. So really excited to hunt the rut. 
uh, probably hunt a late Idaho tag for the rut and mule deer into December, late November, and then, um, yeah, try to make that trip back down for coos in January. So, man, I am so fortunate. A lot of it's, um, you know, because of you guys too and the support of this, the podcast and the writing and filming. Like I say, it pays for a lot of these hunts and it allows me to go live an adventurous lifestyle. And I think that's when the podcast is at its best is when I'm hunting hard, when I'm really excited about these hunts, when I'm putting everything into it and then sharing this information in real time. Like all this information is so fleeting and so... Like you, you learn things on a hunt and then it, it, it's surprising how you, it just like, um, if you're not thinking about it, if you're not doing it, if you're not excited about it, it's just not fresh, good information. And like I say, bow hunting critters on public ground is one of the most challenging things out there. And I just want to be, uh, living the lifestyle and then sharing the information that, that, um, helps me be consistently successful with you guys. So this podcast is at its best when I am, when I am hunting my hardest, when I'm putting everything into it, when I'm training hard and I, um, it's also when I'm at my best or at my happiest. And so I just want to continue to live this lifestyle. But a lot of it is the support you guys have for this podcast helps me put more effort into my hunting, take more time off my construction job. Um, and go for more of these extreme hunts. And they're all the same hunts that you guys are doing. They're all drawn tags, um, usually easy to draw tags because I never really draw tough draw tags. And um, easy to draw tags, public land, a lot of them are over the counter. It's These experiences are available for all of us guys out there. And it's just amazing that us blue-collar guys can um, live such an adventurous lifestyle. And we just have so much cool stuff to chase out west here. We have the coolest stuff. You know, giant mule deer and giant bulls and, and antelope and bears and, uh, you know, coos deer. Like, the, that's all the coolest stuff to hunt and um, one of the coolest habitats on planet Earth, um, the, the Western Rockies. Um, so we're really fortunate. Just take advantage of what's around us and the, the little bit of traveling we can do or the, the traveling we can do across the West. But it's an awesome opportunity. But um, thanks to you guys, I'm able to put more effort into it. And... Um, I just can't wait for this season. Um, yeah, it starts in about a week and a half, and then I'll have to train in between hunts and continue to shoot, uh, but it's going to be a blast. Start walking around with my bow and start filling these freezers again and and uh, hopefully turning up some good critters. So I just wanted to get this solo podcast out, um, help you guys prepare for this season for these tags, let you know what I'm working on and what I got going and what I'm doing to to make sure that I'm going to be successful this season. Um, man, keep working hard towards your goals. Hard work pays off. Uh, effort equals success. It's, um, you know, there's definitely shortcuts into it, but not a lot of us guys, um, you know, have the huge pockets that, that we can just go pay to get on private ranches or paid. Like that's, that's the deal is with hunting, there's shortcuts to it. And, um, you know, I don't fault those guys for hunting the best places. A lot of these private ranches has the absolute best hunting where if I could get in there and bow hunt, I would have such an insane experience because it is out in the wild. You're out with these animals. You've just eliminated all pressure. You paid to get access to this place that doesn't get hunted that often. And you're the only guy there, whatever the case is. But, um, you know, not that you can't take those shortcuts, but I, I like the, I like the route of, of hard work and public land. And like, uh, it's, you're contending with everybody else. Everybody has that same opportunity and it doesn't just take big money to be successful. It takes, 
um, you know, a bow hunting lifestyle, committing yourself, dedication, discipline, and those traits are just so good for humans in general. All these traits carry over into my life, into my business, into, you know, the, the this this hunting stuff that I do. Like, everything carries over. It it, it, it makes me a, a better family man. Like, all these traits are great traits to have as a human being. It makes you a better friend, uh, a better husband, a better father like I know I say that all the time but it really does it gives like I've found what's really important to me in life and um you know it's it's being able to 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 do that just wants wants me to 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 absolutely come home and be the best I can be and um support my family and god dang it um it's it's a it's a fun journey I'm really glad I found bow hunting I know you guys are too but yeah just keep working hard towards your goals like it pays off sometimes it seems like you know, I, I remember when I wanted to kill my first 320 bull, like I, I thought I had the skills all in place. I just couldn't put it together. Like it took, you know, I had the skills in place and it still took me a couple extra years to then create that opportunity. Like you have to put in all the work and improve your skill set, and then you have to make good on your opportunity when you create it. So does that make sense? Like you, um, you have to prepare yourself and gather all those skills before you see the success, but then the success just comes. Then pretty soon you're starting to put down, you know, big six point bulls consistently, or you're starting to put down big muley bucks consistently because you put in the work to improve your skill set to get to the level where you can harvest those things. So just keep putting in the work. Um, it, it does, it pays off in the long run. Um, I'm so pumped at this community we've built and uh, all the support of you guys. Um, this is this is just such a fun platform that we've created. Um, I just want to continue with it and continue getting you guys good information. So finally got this solo one done. Uh, I'm going to click off the, the off button here and we'll get this thing out and released to you guys. Uh, start getting you ready for hunting season. And then we got some great podcasts coming up. So um, again, keep working hard towards your goals and uh, I'll check in with you guys later this week.